Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Ozpan of Amy Ever After. Hi. Hi, Amy. We have no Andrea today. Andrea is on spring break, I'm going to call it. I've <laughs> decided. Andrea, Andrea's on spring break going to a million different tech shows today. Um, but we have our, I think this is our favorite annual show by far. It's our summer reading show. I'm so excited. Um, and we have, as always, our expert kid, teen, YA lit expert, Sandy Chen, senior reviewer for Common Sense Media, joining us today. Hi, Sandy. Hello, ladies. We are so excited. Honestly, I, the weather got warm and I thought, oh my God, it's time. <laughs> we have to get this book list going. So I'm so excited that you are joining us today because I feel like I am completely out of the loop this year. For some reason, usually I think feel like there are these big YA hits, especially that take over. Last year, it was The Hate You Give. You know, it's, I don't feel like there's been that this year, but maybe I'm just not as in tune. So I'm so happy to have you on to cover, obviously, not just YA, but some elementary and middle grade books too. Um, and, and you always have the best recommendations. So let's jump in. I'm not even going to discuss the reluctant reader thing again, because I feel like every year we talk about it. And at this point, people should know, um, find things your kids are interested in and consider audiobooks that we consider audiobooks books. Um, so I'm going to preface it with that. And Sandy, I'm going to hand it over to you to start talking. What's, what's hot? What's on the horizon? What's up there? So probably the year's biggest book, which has been touted as a Harry Potter for older teens and grownups, is Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. And I cannot stress how much of a huge deal this book has been because Tomi was only 23 when a publisher won uh, the rights at auction and she has a supposed seven-figure deal for her very first book book. And it is a magical book that takes place in a Wakanda-like mystical African nation called Orisha. And so it is completely infused with actual West African folklore. And the protagonist, instead of being a boy, is a beautiful dark-skinned girl named Zaley. And she needs to bring magic back to her land and to her people. And it is a hero's quest. And it is huge. It looks like a doorstopper. But it is <laughs> unputdownable. And everybody should get it and read it. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Okay, so it's out in hardcover probably, right? Yes. Okay. And what age do you think? So I think of that one as 12, 13 and up. Okay. And of course, that is always at the parent's discretion. I have also seen it at my fourth grader's classroom. So it really just depends on what kind of reader your kid is. As always. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And then along those lines, only in the sense that it's an incredibly diverse book and is also wonderful and getting a lot of buzz is a book called Dread Nation by Justina Ireland. And that book is a fantastic alternative history in which the Civil War ended not because the Union won or the South surrendered, but because the dead on the battlefields began to rise up. So both sides had to band together to fight 
fight the undead. So what happens is that the government then uses black and native children. It forces them to go to special zombie, or they call them shambler, uh, slayer combat schools to become guardians who basically keep the white folks safe. So our protagonist, Jane, is a very light-skinned protagonist who, who has a white landowner for a mother instead of a father, and that makes a big difference in the book. And she's almost done with her training when things go terribly wrong. Wow. Yeah, freaky premise. It is a freaky premise because it's not technically historical fiction, although there are many things that are historically accurate in the book. Uh, it is basically something that she wrote after reading Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, but she wanted it to be set during the Civil War and about a Black protagonist, and it's just brilliant. Well, come on. I mean, none of us were there. Can we really say with absolute certainty <laughs> that there weren't zombies in the Civil War? I mean, we can't really. It's just such a crazy premise, but when you're reading it, you just can't stop. You you have to know what happens. And of course, her name is Jane, wink, wink. And right. uh, yeah, you just have to know what, what happens to Jane. That's awesome. So that seems also older. That right? one is also older, but also something that if you've talked about the Civil War, you could probably get an older elementary schooler to read it, but not not a younger elementary schooler. Okay. Um, so it's interesting. So it seems like female characters, female protagonists have risen, um, and which is not always you know a rare thing in YA. I mean, certainly. Hunger Games um, and Twilight both both had very strong females, but this sounds very different, obviously, because it's um, also bringing in diversity and very different um, backgrounds and points of view than I think a lot of YA has really been involved with. Absolutely. And it also touches on something that really happened in our past, which is that we did force Native children, Native American children to go to boarding schools to sort of civilize them and help assimilate them and help, uh, you know, in, in the white American view, make them more American. So she definitely took parts of our own sort of the uglier parts of our history and put them in this book, but, ve but very funny as well. And there's a lot of action, obviously. And it's just one of those books that you finish and you think, wow, to have been in her brain while she was outlining this. What a, what a cool book. That's really great. And what about on the, any books out there with strong boys? Sounds weird to have to ask. <laughs> well, actually, the next one I was going to recommend is does have a boy protagonist. It is also a diverse book by probably, to me, he's the superstar of the diversity, you know, community in, in Kid Lit. His name is Jason Reynolds. He has won pretty much every award possible for this book. I'm not sure there is enough room on the cover for all the stickers. It is called <laughs> Long Way Down, and it is a book in verse about 15-year-old Will whose older brother was shot. Will has a gun in his jeans and is on his way to get revenge. And while on the elevator, the elevator keeps stopping in an almost magical way. And people get on from his past who were the victims of gun violence and have a conversation with him before he gets to his destination. It is a very quick read, but so powerful and so wonderful and so deserving of all the accolades it's received. That description just literally gave me chills. Yeah, that sounds amazing. That's interesting that it's written in verse. Do you feel like 
part of that's influenced by like brown girl dreaming. Do you feel like there's been an opening up of like styles for YA? I feel like it's happened in adults fiction already, but this seems like it's finally hitting the YA market. Well, there too. have always been authors that specialized in writing in verse, but it's unique to Jason to do this after many, many books that he had written in prose. So for him to try this and to be such a success, I do think it will help others as well. And I just thought it was fabulous and very easy to read because it's in verse. It's not long, heavy passages, and it just is so lyrical and beautiful and heartbreaking to see the impact of gun violence on this character and on his community. But still, again, with the 12, 13 and up, but really something that you could even see being read in schools with a teacher because it's just so rich, so well done. Wow, that's great. That's it's an interesting point, too, that there are books you can bring up to your teachers as they're starting to put together summer reading lists or think about the fall. If you read something over the summer that you think would resonate, I feel like wonder took off in that way. Um, it was like a mix of parents and teachers and sort of spread this word of mouth about it. Yes. And I do think that we should all as parents recommend books to teachers and to especially to the media specialists at our kids schools. And in middle school, it's a little tricky depending on the age of, of, you know, the protagonist and also in elementary school. But once they're in high school, a high school media specialist will tell you there are still high schoolers that come in there to check out the books to read for pleasure. So we should definitely make it easy for the media specialists if we have a recommendation. Great. Okay. What else? Okay. So I know we've been talking about older YA, but I have a middle grade suggestion, which is a historical fiction called The War That Saved My Life. And it is by Kimberly Brubacher Bradley. And it is a two part book. So The War That Saved My Life is part one. And it came out a couple of years ago, but now you can read it with the second part. And it is fabulous. It is about two a London brother and sister that are sent to the countryside during World War II. And they end up living with a single woman who had inherited her family, inherited a family farm from a friend. So she doesn't really do anything. She's still sort of grieving the loss of her best friend. But here come this nine-year-old girl who has a club foot that was not taken care of by her own biological mother. And the girl's name is Ada and her little five or six-year-old brother. And I say that because they don't actually know how old they are in the book because their mother was very abusive. And that sounds heavy, but my 10-year-old and I listened to this book together and he loved it and had so many questions. So this story about Ada and Jamie going to live with Miss Susan in the countryside during World War II is beautiful. It's educational about World War II and also about children with differences, in this case, the physical difference of a club foot, and how her mother basically allowed her to crawl around on the floor, did not consider her worthy of even being seen in public. But now that she's in the countryside, Miss Susan even allows her to learn to ride horses. And that was just so powerful to Jonah and I when we were reading it, to see this young girl develop not only emotionally, but physically as well, and to find her ability to do things that she never thought were possible. Wow, that sounds amazing. And you listened to that together. 
We did. And that is one of the main ways that my son and I read our books together is on our long rides to and from school, to and from soccer practice. We queue up our audible books or our uh, our audiobooks from the library as well, because most public libraries have audiobooks that they can lend out for a few weeks at a time. So we do it both ways through the paid audible and also through the public library. That's great. I mean, that's something people shouldn't forget, too, because a lot of these, you know, the newer books are on hardcover. People should be very aware that library is an amazing place to go. Um, and both physically and, you know, on your devices, a lot of times now you can access the library um, digitally. Yes, we do ours through Overdrive. And it's really easy. And what we do is when we start a series, we immediately put the subsequent books on hold so that possibly by the time we're done with the first book, the second one will have been released to us. Um, The second book in that duology that I wanted to mention is called The War I Finally Won, which is a sequel to the to Ada's story. And in that one, it also introduces one of the kinder transport children. Her name is Ruth, and she's a Jewish girl from Germany. And she moves in with the family as well. So again, these two books, they are wonderful for boys and girls, for kids who enjoy history. Just so much is there. So I highly recommend those two. And those are nine, 10 and up. So good. So your exact like middle grade, kind of third, fourth, fifth grade and up. Yes. What else? Yes. What else? So, okay. So I've, I've given you some heavy books, but there are, it's always fun to read a little bit, something light and romantic in the summer, I think, especially for uh, those who enjoy romance. So there's a book called Starry Eyes by Jen Bennett, who I believe started out writing adult romances and thought, huh, I can do this with teenage protagonists and it'll be just as good. And she was right. She writes excellent contemporary romances with very sex positive messages, but not so much so that you'd be afraid to let your children read them. And this is a very sweet romance about former best friends in Northern California who end up reconnecting while hiking in the woods together. They don't really realize they're going to be on this group trip. Everybody else sort of leaves them because of one reason or another, and they end up alone and they end up reconnecting in more ways than one. But it is a very well done romance. They both have a lot to them, the two characters, Zori and Lennon. And I think you really feel for them and their families and everything that they're going through. So I recommend that. It's a definitely not one for readers who do not like romance, but those who do will definitely find that uh, you know, kind of a fun, but also substantial read. Um, I think the romance is always key. I know for my girls, they like to like mix it up in the summer with the potato chip books, but, um, but romance is always welcome. Yeah. Another book that I really, really enjoyed. And I think especially if you have New York kids, which both of you do, it's called (laughs) I Have Lost My Way by Gail Foreman. And she wrote If I Stay, which became a movie and has written several bestsellers. But this one, it's a relationship story that takes place all in one day after three teens from different backgrounds literally bump into each other in Central Park. So Freya is a half Ethiopian social media singing sensation who has 
inexplicably lost her voice. Then there's Harun, who's Muslim and gay and just wants to get away from all of the shame and sadness of having broken up with his first love. And then there's Nathaniel, who has landed in New York for a particular purpose you don't know about. And somehow after Freya falls on top of Nathaniel, who almost gets concussed, uh, Harun sees this and the three of them embark on this very long and intense day together as they're taking care of Nathaniel, dealing with Freya's various responsibilities. And Harun also knows who Freya is as this huge internet star, but Nathaniel has no clue and he just sort of sees her and immediately see someone he could fall in love with. So there's romance, there's friendship, there's family issues. So much is going on. It's all in one day and all takes place all across New York from Central Park to Brooklyn to uh, the area around NYU. It's just a really beautifully done story about these three friends who meet in one day. That sounds cool. I love and, you know, it's always good to have a New York book. (laughs) it's always I think for kids who don't live here like it's always fun to get that glimpse inside of what it's like Um, and for those who do it's always fun to recognize those places and I think especially in a book where it's not gossip girl upper east side blue bloods these are all kids from different backgrounds they live in in different boroughs different communities and so you're seeing a different kind of new york than what is typical i find when it comes to new york teen books about really rich upper east side kids who are summering in the hamptons that is not this which is like the teeny tiniest group of people It's so never realistic. It's just that the people who write those books come out of that space too. Like they all went to New York private schools. I think people don't realize how unrealistic um, those those series and books are. But I guess it's like Sex and the City, right? It's just sort of the fantasy of New York too. Exactly. Everything I learned about boarding school, I learned through reading YA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> So so if I meet someone who says they went to Groton or Choate or any of those schools, I immediately think, was your life like one of these YA books? Right. And did you kill somebody? Because I always think of the secret history. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really funny. They, you know, it's actually interesting because um, my daughters are 16 and I feel like they're on this cusp of being able to handle heavier adult fiction. Um, you know, not, not just the classics and stuff we think about, but more, um, you know, like they did read Donna Tartt last year. They read, you know, just things that have a little more adult substance to them. Um, but obviously still want to enjoy all the YA, um, if not even still a little younger, how do you recommend to parents when their kids should sort of segue into those more adult books um, and not feel weird about, you know, wanting to read the quote unquote, even though I know YA has become a huge adult category too. It's like everything's just being marketed as YA, but there is, there is a difference. Well, absolutely. And just like there is with adult books, there are books that are, as you said, potato chip books, right? They're fun and you read them and you can read them all in one sitting. And then there's Donna Tartt or there's Jennifer Egan. So you need to allow them to sort of have that wide palette 
also when it comes to YA and adult. And my son now reads a few of what I think of as crossover books. And they are books that that are from the adult wing of a publisher, but appeal to teens as well. And for example, the book by Pierce Brown, Red Rising, that trilogy is this fantasy trilogy that's a little bit like Braveheart, but in space. And that one had a lot of teen readers, but wasn't technically published in the YA space. And the fourth book, it's sort of starting a new trilogy set in that universe, but 10 years later, is called Iron Gold. And Elias just listened to that actually with his girlfriend. They they listened it listened to it together, which I thought was very sweet I that she that. was willing to listen to. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, our kids went to preschool together, so I'm going to need a moment as you talk. <laughs> right. So she got him to read Stephen King, and he got her to read this trilogy, although now four books by Pierce Brown. And it has been really a great bonding experience for them. And I even let Delia read the Stephen King book because I read Stephen King. He's been around forever. I read Stephen King at 13 and thought, sure, go ahead and start. And I think that is a great age. Once they're teenagers, especially nearing the end of middle school, they can read some wonderful grown-up books and not just the classics, which obviously even older elementary schoolers can read. But it's time to break out some of those books that maybe you enjoyed as a teenager and having them exposed to them. I don't think there's a problem at all. And I think there's a a wonderful way to mix it up. There are teenagers who decide on their own that they are done reading things from the YA section. I still see those same teens who say that showing up to see John Green, of course, right? Or showing up to school for events with that you know, that Sarah Dessen book that meant a lot to them. And that's fine too. Wherever they are, we should encourage them. If they're ready to move completely to the adult fiction section of the library, wonderful. But that doesn't mean they might not occasionally want to read whatever the big buzzy book is or to revisit books that meant a lot to them earlier in their adolescence. Right. I think that I'm finding that with my daughters because they read a lot of stuff very young because they could, um, but they didn't really get everything out of it, right? Like just because you can read something doesn't mean you're fully grasping everything about it. And of course, your own life experience informs how a book, um, you know, sort of permeates into you. And it's interesting to see them want to go back to books that they read younger and be like, oh, I don't think I really understood that. I mean, even Pride and Prejudice, (laughs) my daughter read and... um, we watched then watch the BBC miniseries and she's like, she was pregnant. Like she had no (laughs) idea because they never say it. Right. So if you don't understand how they spoke about those things, um, you know, when they say someone is, you know, soiled or whatever it is, you know, you don't, you don't even think that that's what they're talking about. And all of a sudden she was like, Oh, that's why she's ruined. Like she had no idea. (laughs) 
Exactly. Isn't that funny? And they do get something out of it. I noticed that also with kids who read, because everything goes back to this series, Harry Potter, when they were in kindergarten, first, second grade, because they were incredibly precocious readers, there was a ton of stuff that was going over those younger kids' heads. But then when they revisit it, when they're actual teenagers, or they're in middle school, they go, oh, that's why there's all this weird tension between Ron and Hermione (laughs) throughout the entire book. But none of that registers when you're necessarily six or seven. So you just end up reading for plot when you're younger, right? Like you're not really understanding the subconscious of characters and motivations and things. And a lot of younger readers don't understand the idea of an unreliable narrator. So any book that has one of those, I find can be a challenge for younger readers because they don't know, right? They haven't read Gone Girl, which by the way, is also a book that I see a lot among the high school girls. So I feel like that is also one of those books that the teenagers saw their their moms or aunts or somebody reading them and then decided, I'm going to read this too. So I do think there are books that creep into that Big Little Lies because it was on HBO. I, I find that I see teenagers with that book when I'm visiting the high school on a regular basis. Usually it's girls, I have to be honest, that I see yeah. with books. It's so sad <laughs> still. A fun sort of, again, YA that works for boys or girls is called Sky in the Deep. And it is Viking lore. And the protagonist is a 17-year-old young woman named Elin. And she comes from this clan that every five years has a battle with their rival clan as they believe it's something that they need to do to please their gods. Then at when she was 12, she saw her brother get killed. But then now at 17, during that same battle, she sees her brother again fighting for the other side. The end, right? You want to read it. Like, how did that happen? She thought he was dead, not dead. Now is part of the rival clan How did that all happen? So she ends up getting kidnapped and taken to that other clan's village and finds out the story of what has happened for these past five years. And it grows into a much bigger battle in which she needs to convince both clans to work together against an even bigger enemy. I really, really enjoyed that. I both read it and listened to it, which is at times my favorite way to experience a book. And I thought it was very well done as an audiobook. And that way I didn't have to stop reading. I was reading, reading when I was home. And then when I was in the car, I would listen to it. And I got done very, very quickly. But such a good book. Sky in the Deep by Adrian Young. Great. And I think a lot of people don't know that if you're using like a Kindle Audible combo, it will pick up where you left off when you switch to the other one, which is so great. Yes, absolutely. And I do that probably more than I should for our budget, (laughs) considering I get so many books for free every month. But I do. I love doing that because then I don't have to stop reading my book. And for those of us who live in the suburbs, we spend a lot of time in our cars picking up and dropping off our kids places. So it is a wonderful place for us to to read. And that's why I tell my friends who don't read aren't part of book clubs, and I mean, adult friends that they should invest in an audible account, or at least take out audiobooks from the library, because it's such an easy, low key way to read a book 
while you're driving, while you're walking around the neighborhood, while you're shopping, while you're cleaning your house. So I am a huge audiobook sort of advocate. And wouldn't you rather that with kids in the car than like the Disney station or kids bop? I think I would pull my hair out of my head if I had to drive my kids every day. And that's what was going on in the car. Cause I have a lot of friends and family. That that's the case. And I know. And I find that my, my youngest who's 10 is willing to listen to things that he wouldn't necessarily pick up and want me to read to him physically or read together with me at bedtime. So we listen to all of Hans Christian Andersen's tales read by F. Murray Abraham. Well, maybe not all of them, but a good bit of them. And I don't think he would have picked that from the library. But by listening to them, he really enjoyed them. And they it was so well done. And then later, after we were done listening to, to all of those, he said that he actually had a test in which they spoke about a Hans Christian Andersen tale. And he knew what was going on because we had just read this anthology series. So again, like just try it because it's not for everybody. Some kids still prefer the paper books, but I find that it really has enriched our driving time. Now, I have to ask your opinion, both of you, about something, because a friend of mine had a raging debate on Facebook last last week. Um, when you listen to a book, when you listen to an audiobook, do you say that you read the book? Yes, I do. I read that book. I just didn't read it with my eyes. I listened with <laughs> my ears, but I have read that book. I do consider it reading, and I do think that the media specialist and the teacher would still consider it reading. Me too. I totally consider it reading. The only thing I will say for kids is that there is something about seeing words on the page in terms of spelling and that kind of stuff. But my daughters also have the reverse where they read so much that they don't know how to pronounce so many words and they mispronounce words. They say words all the time that they've only seen and they say I'm completely wrong. <laughs> and all the time I'm like, what? What did you think you said? Like, it is, I, I almost feel like that is the beauty of reading aloud with your child, especially when they're young, because it does happen. And it happens the reverse way too, where if they're hearing the word all the time, and it's a strange, you know, in English, things are often spelled with no relation to how they are pronounced. Um, it happens the other way too, where they hear a word all the time, but they have no idea what it looks like on the page. It's a very strange thing. I was reviewing a book that they sent me the audio file for. So I did read it via the audio file and I had to go back to Goodreads and to the website to figure out how to spell all the complicated names. Right. Because again, it was a fantasy book with made up names and I knew how they were pronounced because of the audio book, but I actually didn't know exactly how they were spelled. So that was a funny kind of reverse situation in which I knew exactly how to pronounce all of these characters names and the towns and villages, but I needed help figuring out how to spell them because I had no clue. Right. <laughs> just a cool Everyone do both. How about that? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Sandy, so much. This was amazing. As usual, we'll have links to all the books you talked about. Um, Amy has her work cut out for her now. <laughs> and, um, and this was great. And I know that people can, go to Common Sense and see so much more um, constantly updated, constantly new, because luckily there are lots of fabulous new books coming out all the time. And we will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. It's just you and I, Amy. What you got? <laughs> 
Okay. So I posted a video on Facebook last week. I didn't post it. I linked to it on Facebook last week um, of these like, how do I describe them? Like just these really soothing images of like balls popping up in the air and then like going through a hoop at the exact moment the hoop is passing or like different shapes that are all moving in different directions than like passing through each other at the exact moment you know those those kinds of things and I found it really soothing it's funny because other people on my Facebook page um they actually got really anxious watching it because like it it was there were close calls that they were just like afraid that they weren't going to work, but I found it soothing. So I was watching it over and over and my son wanders by and he's like, Oh, that's some pretty good animation. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? That's not animation. That That's like, like, you know, those like Rube clicky Goldberg. things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, like those desk toys and things. I'm like, no, no, no. Somebody just set that up exactly. And then filmed it. And he's like, no, that's animation. And so I, I tracked down where the video was from. And yes, of course, it's from a designer and motion graphics artist. <laughs> it's all totally animated, um, which doesn't make it any less pleasant to watch. But now I'm just going through all of this guy's videos. Um, his Instagram account is Wannerstedt, which is W-A-N-N-E-R-S-T-E-D-T. Um, he's in Sweden. And uh, his website is, um, is uh, I think, Wannerstedt.se, but I'll, I'll post a link to it to make sure. And it's just really cool animations, not real stuff now that my son has corrected me, um, which is so nice to look at. And it just like, it fills the little perfectionist hole in me that like everything fits together exactly. And the timing is all exact. And I love watching it. Oh, that's cool. Um, all right. So my bite is it's commencement season. Um, and so here come all the speeches and I tend to find a lot of them, even when they're good, not very memorable. Um, like you read them at the time, you're like, that was good. And then you're like, eh, you know, even a year later, you're like, who, I don't know, whatever. Um, but this year at the Barnard commencement, Abby Wambach gave one of the speeches and it is so good. Um, I posted the transcript because even just the transcript is so good. You don't even need to see her deliver it, but then the YouTube video of course is also up now. And it's just, there's not a cliche in it, which I find so rare in these commencement speeches and yet hits every note, you know, obviously is addressing in some way the Me Too movement, but more powerfully just this idea of equality and, you know, as a soccer player, I think as a women's soccer player, it's hard, you know, not to know a lot firsthand about equality. Um, you know, they had the pay issues, all those things. Um, but she turns it into something so universal. It's just extraordinary. And I highly, 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 highly recommend it. And I read the transcript when you posted it and it was fantastic. Did you say there is a video or or there isn't? Because while I was reading it, I was thinking, I, I don't think I've ever seen her speak or heard her speak. And I was wondering how her delivery was because I could totally see some of the jokes on the page falling flat if they're delivered wrong. 
<laughs> so I want to watch it. Right. I'm sure like someone said that she had given part of this speech at another thing. So my guess is she's been working on this for a while and testing out how it plays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's like perfected it for her big commencement speech moment. Um, but it's so good. I, I mean, I think it's so hard to do these speeches so hard. Um, so that the, the bar is both high and low (laughs) and and she (laughs) kind of set, set new ones everywhere. Um, so I highly recommend it, especially if you have a girl, I mean, I'm sure it would resonate with the boy too, but it's very, it's, you know, she's speaking at an all women's college graduation. It's very much focused on women. So read it. I shared it with my daughters. I love it. Um, that is our show to today and you know we will have links to everything we talked about all the amazing books sandy talked about um you can check us out on parentingbites.com of course facebook.com slash parenting bites you can find links to everything we talked about on apple podcasts rate review subscribe share and on radio public um, and google and google anywhere We're you can google. get podcasts you can yep. get us right um but share share is the most important thing and of course we love to hear from you on our facebook page if you have suggestions for shows or thoughts or questions feel free until next week happy parenting bye, bye.